This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Well, thanks very much for joining us for our latest podcast. Of course, the winter meetings are right around the corner. Uh, the Rays have completed their coaching staff, and we're going to talk to the last member of the staff a little bit later on the podcast, Paul Hoover. But Senior Vice President Haim Bloom now joins us. And let's begin with that, the fact that you guys have a staff now assembled. How much easier or how much is allowing you more to focus on the actual process of addressing your roster at the winter meetings? It's a really nice thing to have in place uh, for a few reasons. Number one, you know, certainly from a time pers- time management perspective, it's nice to have this done uh, and to be able to focus uh, fully on other things. Uh, but more than that, I think, you know, anytime you have some changes to your staff, uh, there's a little bit of kind of a bonding period that needs to happen. And now that the staff is in place, that can start now. And, you know, Kevin especially is really intent on getting that process going. Obviously, a lot of these guys... Um, they know each other already, and they've worked together before, but there's still something new to the experience of learning how to vibe together and how to click as a staff. And, uh, you know, it's early December, and they can get that rolling, and that gives them a couple of months of lead time to really uh, be on the same page as we go into the spring. I know you have to juggle a lot of balls, but the, the amount of time you guys had to spend on the staff, does it have you any further behind than you had been in the past, let's say, going into the meetings? I hope not. Um, I think you saw some of this uh, same pace around the industry. There was a lot of turnover in the industry this winter, and a lot of teams are placing more attention on their staff, not just field staff, but also front office, um, and ascribing a lot more importance to it, I think, and and spending more time on it. So I think pace pace across uh, the industry was a little slower. Uh, With that, um, look, we try to be in position to consider a lot of different things at once, to devote uh, energy, time, resources to a lot of different areas, and hopefully we've been doing that well. Speaking of the staff, we're going to talk to Paul Hoover in a little bit, but uh, you did have two additions to the staff, one who's familiar, one who's new to the organization. Let's begin with Jonathan Ehrlichman because you guys have done things differently. Why the decision to make him, in essence, a member of the staff versus on the analytics side where he had been? Well, I'm going to call him Jay Money because that's what we call him around here, and that's what Kevin's going to call him. Uh, Jay Money's contributions here to our organization are really vast, and, and it's a credit to him and the, the relationships that he's built, you know, first and foremost with Kevin, but really with our coaches, um, you know, and even to some degree with, you know, the familiarity that our player group has with him and, and the comfort level there. It's a credit to all that that, uh, you know, this was something that, uh, seemed like a very natural fit. Uh, but I think beyond that, I think it shows you who Kevin Cash is as a manager and as a leader of his staff and how he is willing to and, you know, and eager to take input from so many different uh, sources and so many different people. He respects uh, many different experiences. And for him 
to uh, to invite Jay Money really fully into the fold to be a full fledged member of the staff. I think that shows. Um, you know the humility that he has and, and the importance he places on those different experiences and different perspectives. And Justin Sua is a guy who's now been added as your mental skills coach. Kevin Cash mentioned in a conference call he'd been looking to add that position. I guess now was kind of the right time and the right guy? Yeah. Um, I, I'd probably point more to that second part where Justin is the right guy. Uh, he blew us away in the interview process. This is mental skills is something that we do value as an organization, and we've had, uh, you know, a good program going in the minor leagues. Just never quite had the right fit to add someone full time to the major league club until now, uh, and we're excited that Justin can be that. He has just a. A really good of array of experiences, both inside and outside baseball. Uh, tremendous, uh, you know, positive personality. Really seems like he'll be really strong connecting with people, and that's what we heard about, you know, him in, in the places that he's been before. So we're excited to see what he can do. So let's move on to the winter meetings. Um, Patrick Corbin signed the first big deal of the offseason. Um, Josh Donaldson signs a large one-year deal. Is the market a little further along than it was at this time, let's say a year ago? And does that allow you guys to evaluate any better than maybe in past seasons? I think, you know, when we came out of uh, the Thanksgiving week in particular, I think that the pace of the conversations, uh, you know, both with other teams and with free agents seem to pick up dramatically. Um, and I think that's a good thing. I think the situation that unfolded last winter where, you know, we were rolling into spring training without our roster really even anywhere close to set, um, you know, wasn't very productive. Um, you know, it was a more difficult situation to manage because when you get to spring training, you want to be able to look forward. Uh, sometimes it's not like that. And, uh, you know, you adjust accordingly. But, you know, I think in a perfect world, um, you know, things move along to where we can, you know, make assessments that we need to in December, January, and then get to spring training ready to go. Last year, you made an acquisition at the time, probably didn't seem that big, but it turned out in Joey Wendell to be a very large ad, uh, addition. How do you view the winter meetings and, and what do you hope to accomplish during the period you're in Vegas? Well, it's an interesting time of year because it, it's, a, it's a pressure cooker environment and you're taking all 30 teams, you're putting them in the same hotel, you're bringing all of, uh, really all the baseball world together. You're bringing the minor leagues there, you're bringing the media, uh, the entire baseball media really to the same place uh, at one time. And it, and it creates this very frenetic environment, uh, which is a good thing for the game and it's good, uh, you, you know, it, it's good to have that going on and probably the Vegas twist adds potential for even crazier things to happen. But, uh, you know, beyond that, I think it's important for us uh, to remember that uh, we cannot do an about-face from the way that we would have operated the week before or the way that we will operate the week after. And we have to make sure that any decisions that we make there are things that stay true to, to how we, you know, would assess them, you know, uh, by the light of day, so to speak. And, uh, you know, the, the acquisition of Wendell last year, I think that's a perfect example of, you know, a, a good outcome from, you know, what I think is a good process with a lot of different information, uh, both information that we get uh, through um, analysis of how Joey had performed and then also information from, uh, you know, our people out there seeing him and learning about him and, and, and getting intel on who he is as a person. Uh, it couldn't have worked out better. And those are exactly the types of moves that we need to make to be able to compete. And in terms of competing, obviously you competed well last year. You won 90 games, but there's still a double-digit gap between the team, two teams in front of you, the Yankees and the Red Sox. How wide do you guys see that gap as right now, and how much improvement needs to be made to be able to win the division get to the playoffs? 
those are two really good teams. That's not that's not news to anybody. Um, you know, we respect the heck out of what they did this past year, and we know they're going to be dangerous uh, this coming year. Again, not not news in the American League East. That's often the status quo. Um, we're looking to build on what we did, and we like to think that uh, that we can do that because we have a young group that really got a chance to play together and grow together. We added pieces to that group as the year went on. Um, hopefully, we'll be able to do some productive things this winter to, to bolster it even further. Uh, we know we're we're looking up at them still, and and will be until we prove otherwise. But we do think that. You know, this group is talented enough that uh, that we can compete with them. And, uh, you know, we don't want to have any preconceived notions about just how far away we are. Uh, because when you have young players and you have guys uh, that come together in the way that these guys did this past year, it, it would be silly of us to try to put a limit on what they can accomplish. You added Mike Zanino and Guillermo Heredia, so you're a little more right-handed. But you also removed C.J. Crone. Um, and you've got the free agents Carlos Gomez and Sergio Romo who provided leadership. What is the biggest void right now? Is it run prevention where you want to improve the most? Is it scoring runs or is it those intangibles in the clubhouse? I think the advantage of the position we're in right now is that uh, we do have a lot of good options really just about anywhere on the diamond you might look offensively, defensively, pitching-wise. Um, that's not to say that you know we're going to rest on our laurels. That's not to say that we're going to just sit tight. We are always looking for ways to make that group better. Uh, and the fact that we have a lot of good options, we have a lot of versatility in the group means that there's a lot of different ways for us to look at adding. Um, and so we're going to do that really on both sides of the ball. I wouldn't isolate it to a specific position as much as I would say that we're going to look for impact, uh, you know, that fits our club, uh, guys that we think are going to fit our group. Uh, and if they can make us better, uh, you know, we're, we're going we're to try to line up on those guys. Um, the veteran leadership, uh, you know, piece is, is important to us. Um, we don't want to go away from creating opportunity for younger, less proven guys, because that really has got us where we are. But we know that every successful club we've had, there have been a couple of guys who have been around the block maybe more than once who have stepped up for us and helped the group. Um, we may have a couple of those guys in our group already, some of the guys that have been here uh, that have provided leadership and, and provided energy elsewhere, uh, but it's something that we're going to keep in mind as we look uh, outside. And the other point to this is you guys have a full 40-man and you could look at the guys you have to protect next year, that they're even more than the five you added this year. How difficult does that make your decisions? Because you don't want to block opportunity, but you also are going to have a lot of tough decisions to make going forward, too. Yeah, it, there's nothing easy about it. Um, it's the position you want to be in, in a sense. You want to have a lot of good options. You want to have so much depth that you have to worry about not being able to keep them all and potentially losing someone in the Rule 5. Uh, you also want to look ahead, uh, as you mentioned, even up to a year and try to manage that depth so that you don't find yourself in that position. And for us, that was actually one of the benefits of the trade we made in July to, to acquire Tommy Pham, was that we were able to use two guys uh, in particular, and really three when you count Royal Ramirez, but the, the front pieces of that deal were uh, Justin Williams and Genesis Cabrera. Both guys, one was on the 40, one was about to be on the 40 man, and both guys that were, we were dealing from an area of depth. And these are guys that we would have been thrilled to have in the organization, but that didn't have clear paths to contribute with our major league club. So to be able to take those guys and turn them into something that wasn't an impact player in an area of need, those are the types of things that we look to do. Uh, it takes some planning and it takes uh, you know some good fortune to be in the right situation to do it, but those are uh, things that we have to keep in mind. So keep those in mind. Good luck in Vegas, and we appreciate some time. Thanks. You got it, Neil. 
Well, we certainly appreciate uh, High and Bloom chatting with us, and we mentioned during that conversation that the Rays have filled out their staff, and with a guy who's very familiar to the organization, Paul Hoover. Uh, Hoof, welcome to the Major League coaching staff. I know you've been a Major League player. Tell me what it means to be a member of the coaching staff. Oh, man, it's, I'm really excited. Um, once, you know, obviously, as a player, I was excited uh, to, get, to get to the big leagues, but um, once I got into the coaching, I felt like at some point um, I was going to have an opportunity um, to get to the big leagues and to, for this day to be happening and for this, 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 this upcoming year for it to happen. I'm, I'm really, really excited for the opportunity to join uh, the special group of players that we have as well as the coaching staff in the front office. Obviously, you've had a relationship with Kevin Cash that goes back to both of the, the your days as a player. Uh, tell me about how what a good rapport the two of you do have. Yeah, I mean, you know, catchers, catchers for the most part, your teammates, and maybe even when you play against each other, you just have a really good relationship. And uh, we were fortunate. I was fortunate enough to play. We were play together. Uh, we were roommates at one point. Um, and then just keep in contact. We play against each other as, as we went our separate ways from Tampa. Keep keeping in contact. And um, next thing you know, he's, uh, he's the big league manager. Continue to keep in contact. And very fortunate uh, for him to ask me to be a part of, of his staff. Obviously, on Wednesday at a conference call with the media, he spoke very highly of the work that you have done with the race catchers, and I hear that from a lot of people in the organization. What makes a good catching coach, since you were a guy who did it as a player for many years, too? Uh, I mean, I don't know if it boils down to the catching coach. I mean, somebody that cares, somebody that's willing to do whatever he can to make, make that individual a better player. That, you know, if you care, you're going to pay attention, you're going to watch video, you're going to see the details. You might be tough on them at times, but the, the player knows, the person knows that you're genuinely trying to help him chase down a dream, um, and that's to get get to the big leagues. You have uh, helped a lot of good, young, talented catchers, and obviously your role is going to be very different. But as you leave the role you're in, I'm kind of curious how excited you are about the group of catchers that are now throughout the system, whether it's Nick Shufo, who just got to the big leagues, uh, Ronaldo Hernandez, who has been very much heralded, and many others um, that I, you know, I I failed to mention, but I know there's a lot of depth in the position. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm 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 excited uh, for what what's coming. You know, if it's not Nick, if it's not Ronaldo, we got a couple guys in Double A, a couple guys in Low A ball. Um, I'm just excited for our guys to get an opportunity, to continue to grow, continue to play, and hopefully. Um, climb up the ladder and get there to the top. And there's certainly some guys who are, I would think, likely to be there at the beginning of the season who are relatively new to the organization. Um, Mike Zanino, who, of course, was acquired via trade from Seattle, and also Mikey Perez, who I think made a pretty good impression um, during the short time he got to play at the big league level after the trade from Arizona. Um, Have you had the chance to chat with any of them yet? And, And if not... Have you got to see a lot of a tape of the two of them? Well, with Zanino first, Zanino, I've seen I've seen video on him for about three years now. So uh, I have not met him personally yet. Um, we're gonna wait, talking to Cashy a little bit, and um, see exactly where I'm gonna fit. But yeah, I plan on reaching out to both of those guys. I met Mikey Perez a little bit last year um, when he was hurt towards the towards the end of the season. And uh, he came down and was doing a little bit of work during instruction week, so I got to meet him. But I have not reached out to those guys thus far, but I have my plans and intentions to um, 
soon. I'm sure you've gotten a lot of congratulations since the news broke that you were going to be part of the coaching staff. Um, are there any that are particularly touching? I'm, I'm sure to your family this has got to mean a lot, too. Well, I mean, I mean, just the amount of people that reach out to want to be a part of your experience and tell you, tell you thank you or tell you congratulations, it's been, it's been really cool. Um, you know, you might get my high school coaches from back home uh, baseball coaches and basketball coaches, they just, they're, they're real happy for me and real, real ecstatic that all this is happening to me. Um, my, obviously my parents, uh, my family, but yeah, it's been, it's been a little overwhelming with, with the, the amount of great conversations that I've been having for the last couple of weeks. And I'm sure it makes the holidays a little bit sweeter too. Uh, yeah, it's, when I first found out right before Thanksgiving, uh, Thanksgiving, I had a big party, and I had a big party for High State, Michigan, so we had, we had a good time. Well, we know you have a lot to do probably before uh, the start of spring training. With your new role, Hoove, I know you know for Rocco it was a new role for him. Have you chatted with him, or, or how, how will this role be different from what you've done in the past? Um, I, have, I have chatted with Rocco. I talked to Rocco a couple weeks ago. I, I planned, and he's been awesome with me. He said, hey, if you need anything, let me know. I plan on reaching out to him again, but I was going to wait till after the new year. Um, exactly my role I think I'm going to mess around with the catchers a little bit. Um, kind of just like how, how Cashian and Eric has the whole, the whole culture, is that everybody's free to say whatever they, they want to say and because genuinely everybody's there to try to help people get better. So I feel like I'm going to fit in in that role or if I see something and uh, having a relationship with the coaches that I do know there and hopefully the coaches that I get to know there, that we'll all be able to bounce things off each other and, um, ultimately, we have one goal, and that's to help everybody get better and to help us win. Well, you've done a lot of that um, throughout the race system the last several years, and we look forward to seeing you in uh, spring training at the big league level doing so as well on a regular basis. Uh, Hoove, congratulations. We'll talk to you soon. Neil, yeah, well, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, I look forward to seeing you as well. Well, we certainly appreciate Paul Hoover being with us and uh, certainly welcome him to the race coaching staff now that that is complete. Obviously, the focus is going forward on the roster. Now, off the field, of course, this was a real interesting year. It was a 20th anniversary celebration of race baseball. In fact, we had some cool stories that I don't know if you've had a chance to uh, catch on our website at racebaseball.com, but um, they're stories from front office members, from fans, um, from Many, many individuals associated with the game. One of those was from uh, Dave and Andy, and I wanted to share that with you. As a little kid, eight, nine years old, my thinking of how I was going to get to the big leagues was with my left arm or somehow some way with my bat. And uh, it just it didn't work out. So at nine years old, when I wanted to be a player, you wanted to be a broadcaster. I didn't know anything about baseball. I wasn't raised in any sort of a sports household. But one day my uncle uh, took me to an Orioles game on August 9, 1979, and I heard the broadcast, and it was Chuck Thompson of the Baltimore Orioles. I look at him as kind of my guiding light of making it sound like that one-on-one connection. It sounded like he was sitting there talking directly to you. And in my 11 years in the minor leagues, that was what I felt like I was working on more than anything else. Just sound like you're the buddy of everybody. When they're driving in their car, when they're on, out on their boat here in the Tampa Bay area, uh, while they're tuning things up in the garage or doing mundane tasks around the house, you want to feel like that person is right there on your shoulder. I want people, when they listen to a Rays game, to be educated, and entertained, and uh, we try to do that. We are the eyes 
They are the ears of uh, what's going on. So I try to describe how the infield's set up, how the outfield's set up, the grass. I want people to feel like they are sitting at Tropicana Field or Yankee Stadium or Fenway Park. Anything that can make the players 3D and make the game come to life, that's how you don't become boring and monotone and mundane throughout the course of six or seven months. There's all kinds of prep work in 162 games. Some of it sounds like it's Groundhog Day, but once the light does go on at 7:10 and the games start, it's always a little different. Our first spring training broadcast, which if I remember was March 5th, 2005, Rick Vaughn, who was our really good friend that worked here for the Rays for so many years, he was from Baltimore and knew that I was a big fan of Chuck Thompson. And he tapped me on the shoulder during the game and he goes, hey, Chuck Thompson just died. And I can remember as shocked as I was at that moment, I did think to myself, okay, he kind of passed that game to me slash us, our generation. And I know both of us take it very seriously that we're going to be passing this on to the next generation, not even necessarily broadcasters, fans. It is our job now. We are the stewards of this wonderful game that's been around for well over 100 years. We are the ones to take care of it, to nurture it, to hopefully pass it along nicely to kids. You know, this nation, and especially this area, went through a real, real tough time with the Great Recession or what have you. People on our block were losing houses. People on our block had lost their jobs. But they were coming up to me and still saying, but I listened to you last night, and for three and a half or four hours, we were their respite. We were their diversion from what was going on in the real world. And I hold that near and dear to my heart. We met in 2005. The Devil Rays were kind of a joke. They would be uh, a punchline on the light show with David Letterman. I mean, constantly getting beat up upon by the Red Sox and by the Yankees. And that sudden meteoric sea change for the Rays from 2007 to 2008, I can't imagine that ride being more exhilarating than when this franchise turned the corner because we were invested in it already. And it really was like the 99-pound weakling was able to get strong and finally kick sand in the face of the bullies. It's a great memory, but I think it'll be an even better memory when instead of saying the Rays are going to the World Series, (laughs) the Rays have won the World Series. That is Dave and Andy sharing some stories uh, about the 20th anniversary of Rays baseball and what makes baseball special to them. You can actually find all of those on our website. You can go to MLB.com slash Rays slash fans slash 20th dash anniversary slash videos. And it's all up there. Again, MLB.com slash Rays slash fans slash 20th dash anniversary slash videos and stories like Dave and Andy's and many others are up there for you to enjoy from our 20th anniversary season. Well, we look forward to many more successful years of Rays baseball, and a lot, of course, for 2019 depends on what happens with the rest of the offseason. Now, I will not be in Vegas at the winter meetings. However, as you can guess, I've got my eyes and ears there, so if things happen that are of major importance, we'll have special podcasts. Otherwise, as things evolve, we'll have it on our blog, raiseradio.mlblogs.com. Thanks to Hyam Bloom and also Paul Hoover for being with us, and we will talk with you soon.